to me, it's just like this shift is kind of exciting. We're trying to stay on top of it. We have a lot of really exciting stuff that I don't know if I'm actually even allowed to legally talk too much about it. Cause, you know. Hey, I'm Blake, and this is the Content Plus Commerce Podcast, presented by Engine E-Commerce, the only podcast for people building successful online stores. From agency life to being a lone freelancer, we'll be bringing you weekly content full of best practices and in-the-trenches advice. Hey, listeners, welcome back to a, another great episode of Content Plus Commerce. Today, I've got Isaiah with Trellis Commerce. How are you today, Isaiah? Good, good. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, record an episode. So we're going to start this off like every other episode. Uh, tell me a little bit about your agency. Give me some backstory on where you guys are at, how you founded it, what your expertise is. Uh, yeah, just sell, uh, give me your elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that the high level is Trellis is an e-commerce focused digital agency. So uh, currently, we consider ourselves full service, meaning we can do everything from like strategy, design, development, integrations, marketing, like the full gamut of helping you with e-commerce. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that. So we didn't start out that way. We kind of, <laughs> so to give you the history of how we kind of got to that point, um, we, uh, I started in 2012, really had no idea what I was doing is <laughs> like the uh, honest answer. But um I'd been working for like another kind of like larger media company in the digital space. Uh, I kind of always knew I wanted to do my own thing. Like that was kind of, I think maybe senior year of college, I kind of made the decision like, you know, I just, I'm not a fan of the big institution, big, I just always felt like it was kind of like holding me back in terms of how efficient I could be on my own. So I started kind of like, kind of starting on, like starting out with just like random ideas, kind of trying to start a business like in college, senior year of college. Nothing really like got off the ground. I didn't actually spend any money. I was kind of like playing around with ideas and like nothing like actually tangible happened. And then eventually kind of like, you know, reality sinks in and you got to get a job and make money. So, you know, I took that job because it was at least something I was interested in. I knew I wanted to do something in like technology or high tech. Uh, I have like a very strong financial background, but I decided to kind of go away from finance for a lot of reasons. Uh, I could spend the whole time talking about that. So I don't want to... <laughs> waste of time on that. But, um, but yeah, quickly kind of realized that that this big media company, I felt like they were kind of doing their clients a disservice. They were selling them very much like a churn and burn, like, like marketing package where it was like, here's a quick website and, you know, pay us a monthly fee. And then I, I was like, well, what happens like year two, like when you renew, there wasn't really like this like growth path for the companies, from my perspective, like, so it might be a little bit helpful in the first few months if they had like no presence. But once, so I didn't really see that there was no like growth path. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to like convince this giant, uh, you know, billion dollar company to like change their entire service offering at like a 22 year old kid. So um, I learned enough and I knew I was a good like salesman. So kind of set out on my own to just kind of like offer a better service. And I, and I knew I was like fairly technical. I, I wouldn't consider myself like a computer science genius, but uh, I, I knew how to build websites and um, basically like just started out, you know, not knowing what I was doing, but knowing that I could sell it and that I could do better than what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's half the battle. Honestly, I, mean, I think that's things that I knew. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. That's like half of agencies are like, Oh man, I, I see this guy doing it. I know I can do it better. I may not be like the best in the universe, but I sure know I can do it better than that guy. And I'm going to go take him down. Yeah. Yeah. So the mistakes I made, I guess to, you know, I think it'd be helpful for anyone 
kind of, you know, in businesses, like I really underestimated how hard it, I, I knew I wanted business partners. Like I kind of like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I guess I'm that type of person where I'm like, you know, I think there's value in having like a couple business partners. It's really hard on your own. So I kind of knew that going in, but I really underestimated how hard it was to find good business partners. So the business partners I have are not the business partners I started with. And long story short, I went through like a lot of tough challenges with different business partners. Somehow got through all of it without completely crashing and burning. But like there's definitely periods where it felt like that could have easily happened. Um, and actually, we actually bought two of them out at one point. Um, luckily for not too much money because the t- at the time we negotiated a deal because we just weren't worth a lot of money and we were able to kind of like grow out of that. Um, so I guess the, the big learning lesson I had was like, really, it's not easy to get good business partners. And, and when you're young and just starting out, you don't really know what to look for. Like, because it's not about like the person might have been good, but like, are they going to be good in five years when you're 20 people uh, versus when you're just like three people and you're just kind of like, you know, working out of your home or we had like a tiny little like crap office. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think that's something a lot of people don't consider is like, am I, am I choosing the right business partners for today for this problem I have today when I still want to be a company five, six, seven years down the line, am I making the right decision and who I'm partnering with and who I'm uh, hiring that, Hey, are, are they going to be the right person here in the future as well? Which is, that's a huge challenge. I think for, for any agency, Absolutely. For any, anybody building it's anything. It's not like easy. That. Like even now it wouldn't be easy for me to do that. Now I definitely would do a better job and I'd be a lot more careful about who I would choose and, and how I would like, you know, structure the deal and all that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's important to give you the history because there's like a lot of, I think it could, it, you know, it would save people a lot of time to not make these mistakes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know our listeners um, appreciate but that. Yeah, too. So I kind of started out all over the place. SEO was kind of my bread and butter. Um, but I quickly kind of realized that e-commerce was this like huge opportunity. This was 2012. And, like Shopify was like barely around, you know, like it was there, but it was, it was still early. Magento was kind of the stronger platform at the time. So we started doing some Magento. Um, and we, we started doing like every platform, like literally we worked with like 50 platforms and it was like a mess. Cause we like, I, we literally learned probably like 50 platforms in two years. And obviously that was like impossible to scale. So we made the decision to, um, focus on e-commerce cause we realized like, Hey, like it, we felt it was really hard to make money on like content. Um, and it wasn't that we couldn't make money on it. We just felt like there was more money to be made in e-commerce and there was just this huge opportunity. And it was also something that like kind of excited us and we liked it, uh, especially me. And so we decided to focus on e-commerce, we decided to focus on Magento. Uh, and then um, we also knew WordPress really well. It was also a PHP-based application, so it kind of complemented Magento really well. So we kind of doubled down on WordPress and Magento so that way we could still do some content work um, as it came along. But our focus was obviously uh, e-commerce and, and Magento. and then we realized like our shortcomings cause we were small. So we decided to kind of like double down on development. Uh, and then over time we kind of like improved design. Um, and recently really it's been only like the last year and a half where we kind of like grew into actually being able to do full service. So we kind of learned the hard way, like trying to do everything when you're small is impossible. Now that we're a much bigger company, we're actually able to do a lot more like effectively. And you know, we're not doing them like, we were doing them a disservice by trying to say we could do marketing and we didn't have the team to do all of that. Like I could have done it, but I realized pretty quickly that I can't do everything. So if I, if like, if I'm selling something that I have to do, it's not going to be effective. 
Yeah, it's you not scalable. I mean? You can't you can't yeah, scale exactly. beyond selling so like, yourself. Stop selling the marketing for a while. Focused on the development. Uh, eventually, we improved the design, and then um, we actually. Um, we knew Shopify was like growing really fast. We we're doing more Shopify eventually. And then we, we merged with um, kind of like a friend who was only a Shopify agency. And they had a great creative director who was frankly just like a better designer than, than we were. And so that, that helped us grow the design. And then, uh, then eventually we hired like a really good director of marketing to like basically like build the marketing full service side of things. And then we also have like, we got kind of lucky and we have a really great um, guy who's being elevated into like strategy so we can kind of do a better job with with strategy and all that so so yeah now now today we're truly full service which is pretty exciting because i think that was kind of always the vision but i don't think people realize how hard it is to like actually get there and do a good job at it yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's more than like oh yeah we're very good at building sites and we also do marketing you have to be very good at building sites and very good at marketing yeah and back there's at so one. much that goes into that like you could be really good at like this one part of building sites but like you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's so much that goes into all the process. So. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of building e-com sites, talk to me a little bit about like your guys prefer tool set, uh, what you guys build with, what you're known for maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm always like looking out at the market. Like I, I definitely take somewhat of a platform agnostic approach because I want to make sure that our clients I think are getting like what we think is the best in the market. And that could change next year, the year after whatever it is. But I would say for now, like we felt, pretty comfortable with that being Magento and Shopify for, for a while now. Like we definitely have done some stuff outside of that. Um, but Shopify is just so good for the D to C like, you know, that like you, you have a hundred products or you could be a lot more. We have some, some clients, a lot more than hundred products, but like, you know, that like traditional, you know, direct to consumer Shopify type business. So like a clothing, you know, apparel brand. Uh, I, I think a really good example is we did, um, this uh, company called Thermacell where they had really struggled with D2C. Like they have a great, like they're in like Home Depot and like they've done really well everywhere else. But they were like, their website was like the joke of the company. And the guy's like, you guys can't mess this up. Cause I'm going to like, this is like our third website. Cause they just kept like struggling with it and they hadn't solidified a good platform. So we helped them evaluate. We actually like went through a, like a platform analysis with them and they ended up on Shopify. Um, and it's gone really well with them. And, and I think they were even like a Shopify case study. Um, they, they sell like, they're, they're like an up and coming mosquito repellent company that has like kind of an innovative product. So, um, so it was like perfect for them for D2C. And then Magento, we just have had a lot of success with, um, I'd say like two or three different kind of things. Like uh, we see it as more of like a B2B tool now. Um, like in the past, you know, it was kind of everyone was using it before Shopify really got bigger. But now like, I think people don't realize how hard B2B is. Like it, if you want to do it right, it's just very different than, than, than B2C in a lot of ways. I mean, there's definitely a lot of like crossover and similarities, but there's a lot of things that are just like much more complex. So we feel like it's a really good B2B platform because it has that flexibility. Um, and then like comp, just anything super complex, you know, we feel like it's a good fit. Definitely the platforms all have their shortcomings. But what we feel, what we feel strong, or at least I feel strongly about is like, there might be a platform that you could argue is better than them, but they're not going to have the community, the, all, all the resources online. Like if I like search for a problem, like I'm probably not the first person that's encountered it. There's probably like an app or an extension that might do what I need. And I, I just feel strongly that if I'm going to like deliver something to a client, they could leave Trellis and still like run with it obviously they'd have to be a little bit smart about that like 
they could certainly mess it up, but like they'd be on a platform that has like a huge community. There's a million other agencies that are good at it. There's lots of developers that are good at it. There's, they can hire their own team. Like if I delivered something that like no one knew, like had a tiny community that, that, they, that might not happen. They wouldn't, they, they might just be like completely screwed. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. It's that, it's that like that network effect. Exactly. Exactly. And WordPress has that too. Like that's, yep. you know, I think WordPress has a lot of shortcomings, but because of that, I think it's network effect. It's been able to kind of like overcome a lot of its shortcomings. Yeah. It's, it's a double edged sword. Like I, I don't know yeah. any web developer that's like, yeah, I love working with WordPress, but it's very much like a, it's the best tool for the job. The, yeah, the exactly. Any client that has it will always feel that they're going to be able to do what they want to do with it. Well, I think what happens is a lot of developers and just people that are stuck on the tech side really underestimate or don't really realize how to sympathize with the actual people mm -hmm. doing the work in WordPress. Like, what WordPress is really good at is writing blogs. Like, yeah. if you want to have an awesome blog and awesome content, like, I still haven't seen a system that's better for like drafting content. Yep. I assign it to, so we have like a drafting, like publishing process within our, we use WordPress for our blog. So, like, Find me something better for that, I, I'm, but I haven't seen it yet. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's the, the editing process. I mean, you look at major news publications, they, some of them use WordPress for that very specific reason. It's because you're allowed to have an editor that can be assigned to posts, and Ghostery or, or any of those kind of new up-and-coming blog platforms don't have that yet. Yeah, or they might have it, but it's just not as good. Yep. And it's like when you're writing content at scale, I mean, we did Wine Enthusiast Magazine, so that was kind of one of our flagship uh, non-e-com sites. And that was on WordPress. So that was like a really exciting project for us back in the day. So you go to like winemag.com. Uh, it's actually, it's funny because we're e-commerce, but we didn't build their e-commerce site. We built their wine magazine site, winemag.com. Um, and that was on WordPress. And that was like a huge win for them and for us. Um, they're still using WordPress and, you know, like, yeah, I mean, they, they, they do a lot of content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, when you when you approached me about coming and recording this episode, you said that you wanted to talk some about headless commerce, and that's something that I'm super passionate about. So let's dig into that and spend some time. Oh yeah, yeah, about. absolutely. Yeah. So I think that that's like a really there's this is like a really interesting time in the market um, because the market is shifting towards this headless paradigm uh, or progressive web application paradigm. Uh, what I think is really interesting about it is that um, a lot of people don't realize that like it's been around for a while. Like you know, Facebook, Google, like the major tech companies have been doing like, you know, progressive web application, single page app, headless, you know, I, I'd say for simplicity terms, it's all kind of the same thing. Like you could argue there's like different nuances to the terms that you're using and how they all work. But um, that's been around since I would say like, you know, early 2010, like it's been like almost 10 years that that's been around. But e-commerce, because like most companies really aren't that technically sophisticated in e-commerce, which I think is something that the average e-commerce or just business in general that does e-commerce needs to improve. They're kind of behind in that, that paradigm shift. And also because there's right now, there's no like Shopify of headless. There's no Magento of headless. So you can't just like click a button and install this application that has this like modern headless, like it doesn't really exist yet. And there's some new platforms that are kind of moving in that direction, but it's still not like, Shopify easy level yet. You know what I mean? Like it's even Magento. I remember back in 2012, I like as a, you know, I did development, but I wasn't a great developer. I could like buy a hosting package and just like install Magento and have an instance of Magento running right now. There's nothing that's just like that easy to use for headless. 
So you really have to have a, like a good technical understanding to like pull it off, I would say. And, but, but everyone's starting to realize like that is where the market's moving. And if you don't do that, like I, I'm, I'm at the point where we're actually pushing it so hard now because if we built someone a site that launches like end of this, call it 2020, 2020, end of 2020 or 2021, it's like, should we launch a non-headless site? Because how long is that going to be not obsolete for? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, completely. I mean, oh. you know, look at the way that like that paid media and the way that social platforms are embracing like shopping within their platforms. Uh, yeah. That's becoming the way that these DTC brands are transacting. And like, if, if you are not building headless first, you are, you're missing out on uh, an experience there that, that could be truly like novel and actually like super interesting. I've seen a couple of demos of, yeah, leveraging Apple pay right off of like Instagram where you hit shop now. And instead of taking you to like a collections page, you're going right to the product page with that Apple pay, uh, wow. like shipping yeah. and confirm already spun that's that up. through their website, right? Like it's through their D to C. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, the, you have a lot more flexibility and possibilities and, Basically, you know, the headless paradigm is now you're kind of decoupling the front end from the back end. And this is where I think things get really interesting because I've spent a lot of time really like getting a lot more knowledgeable about the back end and operations. And I think that's where we've, we've been really, honestly, I think stronger than a lot of our competitors. In fact, like I've been kind of shocked because sometimes I'll like, I'll ask people like, you know, what agencies they work with. And some of these are much bigger companies than us that are like known as bigger commodities in our space and us and they did not know what they were doing when it came to like erp integration and back office um and so we spent a lot of time really like perfecting that and we feel like we're going to be one of the best at that so i think with the headless paradigm is very interesting to me because i'm fairly confident that let's say we move you to headless whatever shopify or headless magento or headless just headless then it's like, well, why not tie in your, your, your the, the, the core back office systems that you need, right? And then it becomes that question of like, well, what is your e-commerce platform doing for you? And then you're like, well, should I go directly to a PIM system like Salsify? So we have a really good relationship with Salsify. They're here in Boston. Um, we actually built a general integration for them. So we work really closely with them on that. So then it's like, well, maybe do you do headless and just directly into back office products? Like that's where I see the potential for the market to shift, which really opens up the entire market. And it's kind of an interesting potential paradigm shift. I think obviously this is going to take a long time to see how it really plays out. But like, I think the possibilities are kind of like all over the map and there's no like clear exact thing that's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like a little bit of like a brand by brand like case for a while until somebody like nails it and figures it out. And then you'll see kind of that, that like follow on, like, Oh yeah, I want that shift in the market. But I'm excited for the, the short-term future that is like a a headless site that like you log into the, like you log into your back end, you do your stuff in your back end, but your, your entire front end is completely disintermediated. That essentially like your, your e-com platform is, is just an, an middleware at that point. Yeah, but that right, that opens up the question where it's a middleware. Is it the best middleware for what you're yes. using for yeah. that? Because then you're like, well, what is it? It's an order management system. It's a product management system. But like, maybe there's a better order management system. Yep. Maybe there's a better product management system. And it's like, you see how that like kind of that whole paradigm shift just completely changes 
the the way you think about e-commerce, right? Sure. And your so, your e-com platform may be five or six different best in class modules. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. And so to me, it's just like this shift is kind of exciting. We're trying to stay on top of it. We have a lot of really exciting stuff that I don't know if I'm actually even allowed to legally talk too much about it because you know <laughs> I don't disclose exactly what we're doing for certain clients. But um, but yeah, we're pushing hard in that direction. Uh, what I can say is we're building our own website in Vue.js. Um, so our our new website will be hopefully launching in Q1. You know how that goes. It's been oh, yes. for a while. Like we're we're getting there. Um, so like there's already like a demo. It's Vue.js. It pulls in WordPress, and then what we're actually going to be doing is pulling in Magento because we're actually selling things on our website now. So it's going to be pretty cool because we'll be pulling in WordPress for the content stuff that we need. Yeah. And we'll have like a separate kind of like product experience for certain things that we'll be selling. A little bit um, of getting to like eat your own dog food, like be able to exactly. use your tools like, to, yeah. Yeah. Like we really believe in the ability to like kind of build our own kind of like mini products and services that can be sold through e-commerce. So, you know, if you can kind of package something together, just why not sell it online and then it allows us to kind of create this like unified experience, but we can use whatever we want on the, on the back end. So, you know, we may move away from WordPress in the future, who knows, but we don't have to change our front end, you know? Yep, exactly. Now, speaking of, let's switch gears a little bit and maybe talk about end users just for here for a second. Uh, you have any good examples of like some non-traditional ways you see brands leveraging headless that maybe like listeners or, or brand owners may not be thinking about? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I will say, I have one example off the top of my mind. It's a local company that I, I won't kind of throw them out, uh, but I'll talk about their site for a second. So I would say that, um, you know, one, one of the, um, the clients that we're working with that's pretty exciting. I mean, it, I wouldn't say this is non-traditional, but I think it's just a good example of how powerful Headless can be is um, we're working with a company, um, TV12 Sports, so Tom Brady's company. Um, and we, we didn't, we, we, we we're doing certain specific things for them. They have a lot going on. Um, but they recently moved to headless. What's interesting is they're 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 seeing that vision of like they don't use one just like pure backend. They have so they're they're starting to move in that direction of like using different things. And I think they're starting to get it where that's like, wow, we could like like it's kind of like limitless what we can do with this. You know, they're starting to realize like we can integrate whatever we want and start to use kind of the best in class on the back end. And they're still in the very early stages of that, but I, I could see that going like Yeah beyond where they're at right now yeah if, you, if your front end is just a, is just a pwa uh you can look at plugging whatever you need in instead of just being locked down to one uh like one kind of system of record yeah exactly so right now all we're doing is more back office stuff for that um you know i, I don't want to talk too much about that but it's it's really interesting with the possibilities nothing nothing crazy i would say yet yeah. that um although we are doing some pretty cool stuff on the donation side um, that's a little bit of an outlier for us because um, it's not like traditional e-commerce, but we're doing some pretty cool PWA donation stuff that I think you'll see. Like if you've seen the traditional donations experience, it's pretty archaic a lot of times. So I think you're going to see some stuff that we're doing that's pretty cool. I don't want to talk too much about it because yeah. I'm not sure what I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But, um, but I think there's some stuff there that could be really like a unique donations experience um, and making it more personalized. So, but yeah, I'm here. I'm curious to hear what you, what you, uh, yeah, yeah. This, th there's a, there's a local brand here essentially that, um, they've rolled out a brand new site. They, they were and are still a Shopify brand, but their entire front end is now full like PWA that connects to Shopify through their, uh, like their headless API. And from what I understand, they're starting to leverage a couple other different products, starting to piecemeal out 
uh, what they want out of Shopify versus what they want out of other uh, exactly. Yeah. And we have another uh, client like that that I've been talking to and we've done, we've done some custom uh, back office stuff with and they're getting to that point where they're like, well, maybe we should go and start to find very specific best in class for each thing that we need. Um, so I think you're starting to see that happen. Yep. Where it's like, Well, now the back end possibilities are limitless. Like, why am I stuck with this thing that's okay at these things? It's not necessarily the best. So yeah. Cool. Well, well, so coming to a close, since we're just a couple of weeks away from 2020, yeah. um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what do you think is something that's coming in the, in the bigger e-com space? doesn't have to be headless focused. That's coming yeah. in 2020 that might catch people by surprise. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily something that would catch people by surprise. Um, I, you know, obviously we see this headless paradigm. I think that what I'm very interested in is that I think the, the concept of a PIM, like, uh, are you familiar with the product information management system? Yep. I think it's still very new to a lot of people. You see some big brands that are already using it, but I think you're going to really see people start to realize like, Hey, whoa, like this whole like PIM paradigm kind of like could be a game changer because what it can allow you to do is basically, you know, mass distribute your product data to, Amazon and all these different channels. And I think you're going to see people realize like e-commerce is no longer just like, like, yeah, there's D2C, but the way I would think about it is like D2C is a channel that maybe that's what I focus on, but I could also just like optimize my distribution using a PIM in a way that just kind of allows me to like focus where I want to focus. Like maybe certain products I sell on Amazon, certain products I sell on Walmart. And I think people are going to get a lot smarter about that in 2020 and like, it's it's kind of a year where I'm I'm excited about people starting to realize like hey like this needs to be my my focus not like oh well it's like part of our business yeah you know it's I mean? the like the omnichannel <laughs> future that if yeah. hey if I can get my products listed on like Jet.com Walmart.com Amazon etc that's part of my business I still need my own site but I also need to be distributing elsewhere yeah I think one thing that I'm really excited about that plays into that a little bit is that. I really want to see our customers push in more of like a super custom slash personalized mindset with their website. So like maybe you push your commodities to Amazon or jet.com because you kind of have to, and that's where the market is. But then your website, so we just launched what I would consider one of the most exciting things that we've ever done, which is if you go to like WASD keyboards, which is a hard thing to probably spell, it's W-A-S-D keyboards. Um, we, we launched their version three customizer. Um, so you can literally like customize every color and every key on, on the keyboard in real time and all the lettering and everything. So I think that my vision for, for companies is that their website is this like personalization, like special hub that you can't do on an Amazon or the marketplaces and use maybe like a PIM to kind of push them, push the commodity aspect of your business to the other channels that, you know, just kind of the more basic buy this. Yeah, your your bespoke stuff lives on your brand site where your like stock standard gets distributed out to your omnichannel partners. Yeah, and we're seeing some pretty amazing, uh, like really sophisticated image technology companies that we're starting to work more with in terms of like creating these like personalized experiences for product experiences. So like we're taking more of an approach where like um, you know in some cases we could do it ourselves, but obviously that's hard. Where there's a lot of these technologies that we could just like put put into the site you know, that we don't have to build from scratch to yeah. create kind of like custom product experience. So I think that's going to get a lot bigger in 2020 because 
why not? <laughs> you right, know? right. Yeah, I'm, I'm super interested to see these shifts start to happen. So thank you so much for your time, Isaac. It's always really exciting to have uh, somebody that's just as passionate about headless commerce to kind of talk about. So that's, it's, a, uh, it's a new topic for the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. Also, if you'd like to talk to Engine about our agency partner program, then visit enginecommerce.com slash agency.